acceptance, connection, transcendence. Welcome to the Seeker's Quest Podcast with your host, Vedasar, Chaitanya Charan, and Radha Priti. Welcome back to the Seeker's Quest podcast. It's been a while since we've been here together. So I'm so happy to to have the team back. CC's in Australia. How are you, CC? Yeah, I'm doing great. Just came to Sydney yesterday. Oh, wow. Mm, nice place here. Is it, it's, is it warm there right now? It's Morning is cold, but daytime it's pleasant. Oh, nice. So kind of similar to here in the U.S. And Veda, you just got back from your big European tour, right? You have like a one-day turnaround before you have to leave town again. Yeah? How are you, Veda? Something something of that nature. It was a little uh, hectic European journey. Very fascinating groups of people in different countries. A lot of adventure and spiritual adventure and fun and i'm really happy to be yeah back. you know hearing your voice without seeing you is definitely not adventure or fun the reason the reason i'm not on video is because my eye is uh, going through some karmic purificatory phase which means I'm currently have a swollen eye and have some medication on it. And I would not want people to see the, the, the more ugly version of the material body. Material body is already not that great, but an uglier version of that. I don't want to, uh, put, people to the pain and, put people through the pain and torture of having to look at this. I feel like if I hadn't laughed so hard at you when you first came on, you we might have got to, to see you. <laughs> you are forcing us to follow the bhakti tradition. Bhakti tradition says that saints are to be heard and not seen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like a Maya Bhadi, you know, invisible. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here, nevertheless. We're glad you still came. So thank you, Veda. Today How are you we're... doing? <laughs> oh, I'm great. I'm great. We just did that Bhagavad Gita podcast before this, and I love doing that Gita podcast. I'll tell you, I love just thinking about the Gita. We're talking about the soul right now, and it's so nice just like marinating in the qualities of the soul. So, yeah, I'm great. I'm inspired. I'm happy that you guys are back and we can all get together again. It's been, it's been a while. Yeah, definitely. We missed all of us together. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about how to move debris from our heart. And this topic was inspired by the Bhagavad Gita verse 223, which we did a couple sessions ago. Maybe yesterday that one aired on the Bhagavad Gita podcast. But the quote that CC wrote um, in reference to this verse is uh, life storms can't be stopped 
but they can be channeled to sweep away the debris around the soul. So, um, yeah. Do you want to take us into it from there, Cece? Yeah, sure. Thank you. So life storms can refer to the many ways in which our normal life can get disrupted or even devastated. In general, the world is a place of dualities. There is happiness, there is distress. There can be honor, dishonor, heat, cold, wealth, poverty, health, sickness. Many of these can be dualities. Some dualities come more frequently than others. So when the especially when the distresses come, that's when we find it especially stormy. And we feel as if we may get swept away by a storm. But the Gita's spiritual knowledge helps us see that those storms are not actually going to affect us as spiritual beings. And so generally, if we consider a storm, often in the middle of the storm, there is called the eye of the storm. And that is the place of complete calmness. While everywhere around it is turbulence, there's this calmness over there. So spiritual knowledge can help us get to the eye of the storm. And when we get to the eye of the storm, then we are, can stay undisturbed. And not only can we stay undisturbed, but if you can say this is who we are, or more precisely, who we think we are. And this is at the core, a soul, that's who we are. So, in the space around the soul, we could say there is the, this is the, this is our gross body, the physical body, and we often identify ourselves based on our body and the roles that we have. And those identifications are present in the subtle body. So this subtle body can be filled with much debris. Now, broadly speaking, the subtle body, we could say, is divided into two parts. There is the mind. Okay, let me... Uh, yeah, mind and intelligence. And both of these could have some contaminations, some, some impurities within us. So that is what we are considering as the debris of the soul, debris around the soul. And life storms, either they can sweep us away or they can sweep what is around us away. As the debris around the soul is the impurities that are present in the mind and the intelligence. Now, I'll just make one more point and then I can, we can go for reflection. So in the mind, basically there are desires. And especially you can say specific cravings. 
unhealthy cravings these are the impurities and then in the intestines there are there are doubts and those doubts are a broader pet broader are a part of a broader set you can say conceptions so the unhealthy cravings the the unwise or incorrect the untrue conceptions those are the impurities within us and those can be swept away by the storms of life that's what we'll discuss how it that happens yeah mm so it's like it's like the soul it's it gets filtered through the mind and the intelligence and if the mind and intelligence is is dirty then that that shows up so when we are shaken in our life if we can see it as an opportunity to kind of get to the root of what's shaking us and maybe clean it up a little bit in that way this the filter we we're cleaning up the filter of which the soul comes through like like when arjuna was on the battlefield and he was lamenting for all of all of the all of his family members that he was going to have to fight against and he and krishna comes and says look you're lamenting for their bodies but their real identities are their soul so it was like the compassion and love that he had was from the soul but it was going through the filter of the mind and intelligence which was which was so fixated on the bodily conception that that he couldn't see he couldn't see past that like that yes <clears throat> very nice example compassion toward opponents it was it was you could say misdirected or restricted misdirected and restricted to their bodies alone and that was the impurity in good example thank you mm. where there yeah you know can we go up on the debris one more time yeah yeah so you know i i i was thinking how this is so so deep in terms of the 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 philosophical and the emotional depth of this how there's so much debris in our lives and we continue to accumulate more and more debris and the cause of debris is 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 uh the 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 result of having a tremendous amount of debris in our lives is is causing uh, us to not be situated in our true essential self in our spiritual self because there's it's just covered with debris who wants to be in that place and even the divine being to leave the divine being in that space of debris is not that is not that uh is not that nice and even this affects on the level of our relationships when we have all this uh unhealthy cravings and desires 
and doubts and untrue conceptions. Who would want to be in, in such a person's life when we have such a huge accumulation of all of this? So this debris is not just causing us to, uh, it's not just an impediment in our spiritual life, but it is an impediment in life as a whole. It is not just isolating, but it is also suffocating. And it is also, uh, it's also a place where no one wants to be. No one wants to be covered in garbage. Everybody wants a, a clean place to, uh, to, 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 uh, to make their home. So if we are looking for relationships and our heart and mind is, our mind and intelligence is covered in debris, then it's hard to have genuine, authentic relationships. So this is a very deep topic. I, I just was thinking as you were talking about it. Mm. Yes, very true. It's basically that uh, impurities, they isolate us not just from people, not just from God. They actually isolate us even from ourselves. Because we don't perceive who we really are. And sometimes because of the impurities, mm, they, we may do something. And for example, we may we may get angry and yell at someone or we may just some, some, we might just indulge in some very harmful behavior and then later on we say yeah, that's not me uh, that's not at least that's not the person I thought I was or that's certainly not the person I want to be so yes this impurities mm, are very important to the role that they play within us are important now in today's uh, you could say secular and sanitized world we may not like to use the word impurities because that sounds religious that sounds uh, somewhat almost mm, what is it uh, puritanical but we all have the idea of toxic behaviors toxic emotions toxic ideas so, toxic thoughts, and we do want to keep away from those. So, we could say, in this culture, we might use the word toxic, but impurities are in themselves toxic ultimately. So, that idea is not alien in today's culture of uh, self-help and personal growth also. Yeah, you know, though, it also, it doesn't always have to be like super toxic things that come up. Sometimes it can just be like things that you notice within yourself that you need to work on that are maybe more subtle, right? Like, like um, you know, in our in spiritual life, we oftentimes, as devotees, especially, we get into like sadhana. What's your sadhana? How many rounds are you chanting? What are you? And it's like, I'm I'm a huge advocate of sadhava sadhana. I love sadhana, <laughs> but sometimes this element of like working, being able to work with other devotees together, and 
um, and what that brings up for you in the process is, is also like super important to recognize and to use, like we're saying as these opportunities to kind of notice your sticking points within yourself and have the opportunity to, to kind of see them and, and correct them. Right. Like I was working with a devotee today and we run a phone call and this particular devotee is always so considerate of everybody's feelings. Sometimes to the point where like, I feel like the call will be is done in 30 minutes, but he's like asking everybody about their feelings for like the next 30 minutes. And I get so impatient. I'm like, all right, I got to go. I can't, I can't listen to this anymore. And then it, it gave me the opportunity for myself to be like, okay, why does this bother me? Like what is coming up? It's like, I, you know, he's trying to do something nice and I just like, can't even tolerate it. So it's like, that's not, it's not like I'm toxic, but it's like, okay, maybe there's something there that I need to work on that if I could be a more patient and loving person, generally speaking, I, you know, could, could grow in my spiritual life. And that's really what it's all about. Right. Like you could sit on the couch and chant all day, but if you, if you can't tolerate a phone call like that, I don't know, maybe time to, to kind of work on something, <clears throat> right? Yeah. I mean, that's why I was, when I, it's a very good point. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. I also have become aware that I'm a very short-tempered person, you know. I have a short temper, but I don't become aware of it because I have a short, short temper. <laughs> that means I get angry for a few moments. And after that, even when I get angry, I'm not screaming at people. I just speak a little, maybe a little louder tone, maybe a little stronger words, and it just goes off. And I forget it, but the other person doesn't forget it. So that the other people notice it. So I've also realized that sometimes... Uh, these things come up, they may not be very damaging, they may not be devastating, but they are they are concerning. That's why I was here. As, as, when you talk about impurities, I was talking about toxic as like the lower end of the spectrum. Mm, okay. So here you, you could have impurities could go over a spectrum. They could just be distracting. Hmm? Now here they could be devastating, devastating Devastating others, others. This is what I would call as toxic. Hmm? Mm. This, this is a different section. Now, in between, there could be something which would be disturbing, something could be distressing, something could be degrading. Hmm? Something could be discouraging. I'm honestly could be discouraging could be anywhere among these demoralizing whatever so you could have a spectrum so all these could be called as impurities we could say impurities are broadly they they lead to they make us okay let me write it over here separately what impurities do is they basically shrink us. They make us suboptimal versions of ourselves, at the very least. Now, they could also make us 
caricatures of ourselves they could make us uh, completely perverted versions of ourselves but they lead to if there is a flashlight and that flashlight is meant to okay this is really a terrible drawing if i have a flashlight over here now around the flashlight if i have a film now the covering the film covering the flashlight now what might it do well it could do many things it could completely block the flashlight it could impede the flashlight slightly so it's a range so impede slightly so because of that some level is not clear seeing but here block totally so impurities are like that they can affect us to various degrees mm. and generally it is only when that obstacle it's not always that impediment becomes evident to us maybe i think you know i'm a i'm a sweet person but then i meet with somebody who is who is much kinder much more polite much more considerate and then i say hey, i don't behave like that that maybe there's room for me to improve sometimes it may be associated you know others that i realize it but overall it's that it's important to recognize that we all have impurities which are preventing us from being the best version of ourselves mm beta where are you on this scale where are your impurities are they blocked totally or just distracting oh well, i have to give you a full list so <laughs> different uh there was remo i think the range is very big but i haven't been able to fully detect where i feel into that fit into that spectrum i definitely have anarthas the impurities are definitely there i don't know how many lifetimes of impurities i'm carrying so how do you realize them it's a, it's a tough question are yeah i think we all are carrying lifetimes of impurities in one sense we are carrying them they are covering us so essentially we we carry things we can, if we are traveling you know we carry luggage because that luggage is going to be of some help to us imagine we are carrying luggage that was of no help to us but i've realized one thing sorry go ahead sis now so you see that then we would want to shed it immediately yeah <clears throat> but what happens is that for quite some time mm, we may not realize that the impurities are a burden and even if we realize them that they are burden sometimes they they stick to us they hold on to us so why do we carry them it can the reasons can range from over the spectrum because we are ignorant of them ignorant means their existence or their effect that their how they're having a negative effect on us 
we are ignorant of that that's why we are carrying them or they are they are stuck to us we just we understand it's a problem but still we can't give it up so it could be over that range yes anyway go on with please i was just saying when we were talking about this topic carrying the impurities i was thinking how when we are do our sadhana we get a very clear image of our impurities as it it opens up as like a little flashlight that comes on as you're showing so we are able to see the impurities and i almost feel like when i do my sadhana i feel like i'm on a train i'm on a train and i'm carrying the bags all those impurities on my shoulder thinking that i'm making the weight on the train a little lighter <laughs> so this is what i have realized in my sadhan what makes us feel that we are making making the weight on the train lighter means are you saying is that giving that as general well, example the, the misconception no the the nature of the world is going to do the train is going to go in a destination we are all born with a certain karma whether we like it or not life is going to be our destiny is is going to go on you know and it is just going to go on we just we just as long as we live and breathe it's the train is moving but to carry those impurities so deeply in our in our psyche every day to be conscious of them carrying these impurities and thinking that you know somehow i'm going to take the weight off of this train by me carrying these impurities it doesn't work you don't lower the weight on the train by carrying those bags on your back but rather but understanding the laws of karma through the practice of sadhana i'm like you know what karmic everything whatever is going to happen to me is going to happen that's a given how can i practice my life to not be attached to all these impurities this is what sadhana gives me ability to not carry the weight on my shoulders and just put it down on the train and just travel on the train not having to hold it on my shoulders thinking that it's going to be lighter does that make sense am i making any sense to you guys yeah i would just like to modify it's a beautiful metaphor maybe i would like to modify it a little bit please modify. like when we are when we are carrying the burden it's not just we are thinking we are making the train lighter i think it is we often think i am making the train move by carrying this burden that's also true yes <laughs> <laughs> so is that it's because of me me yeah, carrying the bag on my shoulders the train is moving faster <laughs> or like sometimes impurities that we accumulate throughout our life because they served us at one time like certain defense mechanisms or ways of being that we needed to be at one time for a certain situation or relationship but we don't really need to be anymore but we're still holding on to it or holding on to that conception or that belief about ourselves in it 
right? So we think that we have to be like that or that we need that to make the train move. But the reality is if we just shut it, the train would move so much faster. How would the train move faster? Because it would, well, I mean, for all purposes of the analogy, it probably wouldn't because it's relatively, let's just say it's a really heavy bag. Like it's massive. (laughs) It fills up the whole train. <laughs> okay. This isn't a relative. I get what you're saying. That. I get what you're saying is that at least uh, it's like we are carrying a burden and we're thinking this is helping me move faster. But I put down the burden, at least I will be able to move faster. So, and I'll be able to do, maybe I can, if I have a big back on, if I, even if I'm driving the train and I have a huge backpack on my back and I'm driving the train, then the backpack is going to drain some of my energy. And I think because of the backpack, I am able to drive the train. Because of the backpack, the train is moving. Well, no, drop the backpack. Maybe the train will move faster. If it's a really, if it's, if it's not a backpack, okay, I think you know, we can just play around with this metaphor further. Say, if we are riding a bike, Mm-hmm. And it's with a heavy backpack. Now, I'm thinking that the bike is going smoothly because I have this heavy backpack. But no, the bike is going smoothly because I'm driving the bike. I'm pedaling it. Say, but so the motion, the movement is happening. Is it because of the backpack? That's completely wrong. So it's happening because of the pedaling. So sometimes when life storms come and we have to protect certain things, but sometimes we may be protecting things that don't need to be protected. In fact, the storms, so if I'm just driving normally and then whether your metaphor has really activated my imagination now, <laughs> if you're driving, if you are, well, how do I draw a bike? I was I waiting for laugh? this. I was excited for it. CC. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's some kind of bike. Okay. <laughs> it looks more like a, oh, what? Oh. Sitting on a pile of uh, his bag. He's sitting on his bag in the train. Is what I <laughs> you might need some wheels on that bike, Susie. <laughs> Have you ever ridden a bike before? <laughs> anyway, okay, this is not a bike, but whatever. Just use your imagination. So now if you say that same thing, we are moving. And I have a big a key point I wanted to show you here. This is a big, big backpack on my back. Hmm? So now when I'm going downhill or I'm going straight, I may not realize how much the backpack is burdening me. But when when I start going upwards, so when I, okay, this is something else only. (laughs) Now it looks like he's carrying a barbell. 
<laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so then when I started going up, at least at that time I started realizing this is a burden. Maybe I should just just shed it away. Maybe I should throw it away. Shed it. So sometimes the storms make us realize how much of a burden something is. And they start thinking, do I need to carry it? Mm. So in that sense, it's good. Mm. Yeah, like we don't sometimes notice it when we're on flat ground, but when we when we start trying to move it, we realize what a burden it is. Oh, that's what sadhana is. Sadhana is moving up upstream. And this is See, what, that's, that's a good example. This is what sadhana is. And that's when, that's when you realize that the backpack is a little too heavy and you need to let it go. Mm, because you realize that it's not serving you in your relationship with the divine. Right. Yeah. See, if you see when we are doing sadhana, that's the time when our mind starts acting out quite a bit. Now, it can be distracting us frequently throughout the day also. But generally, when we have some, we have some responsibilities to do, we are talking with some people, at least because of our, uh, because of we want to look good in people's eyes, we, in normal responsibilities, normal situations, uh, our mind is somewhat restrained restrained by the ego, restrained by whatever reasons. That time also it can go wild, but at least somewhat restrained. But when the when we are doing sadhana at that time, literally the mind has nowhere else to go except focus on the ultimate reality. And when it doesn't want to focus on the ultimate reality, then it just creates such resistance, such turbulence. Hmm. And then that's when we see how much the mind is uh, mind is an obstacle. So that how the mind does not want to focus on that um, that ultimate reality. So in that sense, the sadhana does help us come, if not face to face with God, the ultimate reality. But at least it brings us face to face with with our own mind. Mm. Yeah. Mm, I see what you're saying. Any comments? This is why it's nice to do sadhana in the morning, right? Before you start your day and, and the mind starts to get into other things, it's like just putting it right in there first. You maybe have a better shot of it not running away <laughs> yeah you know there's so much emphasis of sadhana in the morning as you say Rana. it's it's so so vital because if you can drop those weight those backpack early in the morning before you start climbing up the mountain mm. and then then throughout the day there's no weight on you so you know you're good you you sail through the day like with with such ease, and that's why there's. I know, and and I just finished the retreat in 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 Europe in different countries. My biggest emphasis was how important it is to have an early morning sadhana, 
how there should be no compromise on that one. Everything you can compromise, there should be no compromise on the sadhana because that is when you take the burden off. And you can be weightless all throughout the day. Otherwise, you're carrying this heavy weight around. Why? Why? What is the need? So weightless life, weightless life is is what sadhana is all about. Emotionally uh, and uh, energetically, you feel very light. Mm, I, I think also in addition to sadhana, like having friends that lift you up or that remind you of like what's really important. You know, when I talked to you today, Veda, I talked to Veda like in the middle of the day after I had like multiple meetings with various people and I was impatient and annoyed. <laughs> I'm just like venting to Veda. And Veda just like goes into his, uh, you know, I don't know. He's like, Veda's just like a little Krishna conscious. I don't know. Um, everything he says, I don't, he's like spewing out verses. And it's like, at the end, I'm like, what did I, what was I even thinking about before? <laughs> it was like so silly and like just irrelevant. I just, I just, so, I just told her that she was in Maya, CC. <laughs> so he told me. <laughs> he yelled at me until I was scared. <laughs> no, it was, Maya. it was beautiful. He just shared some realizations. I think all he did was share realizations of his own from his experiences in Europe, and and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like just way too consumed in yeah, my material conceptions. You know, you put this satsang association, CC. I have to share a small story though on this one. Please. I was in, I, I you know, every year I go to India with a group of students. So this year I'll be taking about 45 students to, to, to Rishikesh, Vrindavan, Haridwar. And the theme of this uh, retreat is Seva. It's the Seva Yatra. Everywhere we go, we're going to do service. So first time I went to Rishikesh, I was staying in one of the ashrams there. And the guy who was running the ashram, I was sitting with him trying to understand why do this, all these white people come to Rishikesh? And thousands and thousands of them, like... And I don't see any sadhus. I don't see all the saintly people. Where are they? It's just, you know, a, a city for white people to, you know, speculate what yoga is, you know? That's what I was thinking when I first went to Rishikesh recently after a very long time. And one of the the the, the senior ashramites, he mentioned to me, he said, Veda, you will not find any sages here in Rishikesh. Rishikesh, the energy of Rishikesh is the sincerity of the seekers trying to remove their impurities. And I was like, what? He said, yes. This place is sacred because all the seekers are sincerely trying to remove their impurities. 
And this is why they all come. And when everybody comes in this with that mood of removing the impurities from their lives, it has become satsang, and that's why this place is so energetic. I was like, what? <laughs> so he kind of like, uh, you know, shifted my shifted my uh, perspective. Because I was just thinking, it was like thousands of just people from all over the world, just sincerely seeking to be free from pain and suffering and remove their impurities. Mm. And that creates the Sangha, and that energy is the sadhana energy, and that's the key he mentioned to me. I was like, oh, okay, no more will I judge. Mm. So yeah, impurities are, are, are something that we have to work on, but it helps to be in you know the sacred space as well, in the association of other sincere holy seekers, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, uh, when we talk about satsang, what is it exactly? That's a good question. It could be the association of, uh, you need a great seer, generally that's understanding. And if the seer is there, definitely that's good. But if the seekers come together, that itself creates an energy. And the energy can be infectious. Mm. So, because the, we all are affected by those around us, their energies are either pulling us upwards, say, towards spiritual reality, or they're pulling us downward towards material and selfish and sensual reality. So, In some ways, it's a curious phenomena that uh, somebody who's an alcoholic and is trying to recover from alcoholism. So they, I have friends who are alcoholics and you know, in that association, you could say somebody who has never drunk alcohol is is pure, but that person may not. That person may be so different from all the alcoholics that is, you know, that person can't relate with us. We can't relate with them. Or a person who has completely overcome alcoholism long ago, and for decades that person has been completely dry. When that person goes to a A meeting, that person may not be able to relate with people, and those people may not be able to relate with them. So, mm. in that sense, sometimes association of people who are close to us, who are similar to us, can be more beneficial. And that doesn't mean that people, so you know, people who are way ahead of us. That is not important. Both are there. But it depends on context. Association you talk about, there are association of seers, and you could say there are fellow seekers. So both bring their own benefit. Mm -hmm. In one sense, seers, it's like they show us the mountain top peak. Okay, this is what purity, this is what saintliness looks like. Mm -hmm. Where the fellow seekers, they help us in the, you could say, the, the thrills and fears of trekking, of the next step. 
they help us overcome that okay you know this person is also afraid but still this person is going up that step so let me also go up that step so in one sense these for the next steps this is very helpful for the immediate next steps hmm? and for the for the distant goal we don't want to just keep taking the immediate steps you also need to see the distant goal so that also it's helpful the different kinds of associations serve different purposes mm, that makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense that both are important <clears throat> So, Sisi, you wanna you wanna give us the conclusion because one hour is over. Sure. Mm-hmm. So we talked about today the how to get to the how to withstand life storms. So when those storms come, mm-hmm. so storms in one sense, uh, what is the effect? they sweep us away we get devastated or sweep the debris around us away that is what we would like happen so you discuss our whole session was how to ensure the second happens in that connection we discuss what is the debris the debris is primarily present in the subtle body in the mind there are cravings in the intelligence there are conceptions misconceptions primarily so what do these do why are they called as debris technically the word uses impurities the impurities can have a range of influence for us they can be just distracting or they can be devastating but at the very least they do lead us to becoming a suboptimal version of ourselves and then within that okay what do i do okay and we discussed about sadhana and how sadhana helps us in terms of it helps us come face to face it helps us see impurities as burdens to be shed otherwise you may not realize that they are burdens so we discuss a little metaphor of going in a train or walking or biking biking uphill while carrying a burden the sadhana helps us to realize that the impurities are burdens and as we can set them up and then lastly we talk about satsang so what satsang does is for us good association also helps us in different ways at different levels and we discuss two levels fellow seek the seers can help us it's more like distant inspiration and seekers can give us immediate inspiration both can inspire us and help us go along that journey mm. really or any major points beautiful that's mm. great i'm inspired for sadhana and satsang 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Radha Prithi. Thank you all very much. Oh. Namaste, everyone.